Hello all and welcome to another episode of the Triple H Podcast. Happy Hour Hoops, your one-stop shop for enjoying a cold beverage and listening to our ice-cold basketball takes. We got you covered on everything NBA all the time. Donovan Holden here with Jake Micah as always. We got a bunch to cover today. Just learning a lot about this league and the future from these playoffs. A lot of big stories last week and the last couple of days with the conference finals getting started and the semis ending, um, some injuries to go over, a lot, a lot to cover. But before we do that, a word from our sponsor over at Manscaped. Guys, it's summertime now. The weather's getting warm, humidity, dry heat, whatever. You're going to want to go over to manscaped.com and check out one of their best products, which is the Crop Preserver is an anti, anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. It's starting to go hot outside, and this is crucial, crucial so your balls stop sticking to your leg. That's the worst. No one likes it. Manscaped's got you covered, though. Go over to manscaped.com. Use the code word TRAINWRECK at checkout. You'll get 20% off and free shipping. Again, that is TRAINWRECK at checkout, 20% off and free shipping jake what do we got today for this crazy nba playoffs what are we talking about well man it's we we're first we're going to start off with you know talking about the three teams that we that suffered uh suffered the loss losing their season this year and and getting eliminated um it was because all three of these teams were the favorites going into the series they were Mm -hmm. Two, two of the top seeds in both conferences went down. Like, it, it was it was nuts. It was a nuts weekend, so we're going to get into it. So let's start with Saturday night, the first game seven, the Brooklyn Nets losing to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, pretty much, like, the most heartbreaking fashion you could imagine losing a game just for – just, like, it was just, like – it was just like stunned silence in that place when Katie goes yeah. up for that three at the end, air balls it. I don't, I don't know, man. I've never felt so more about you, but I've never felt like more confused during, during an ending of a game. It was just, it was nuts. But um, the Nets, the Nets go down, mostly go out of this, you know, mostly out of this season, out of this playoffs because they just weren't healthy. Mm-hmm. Guys couldn't stay on the floor. Kyrie rolled up on his ankle bad in that um, Milwaukee series, wasn't able to come back. Harden came back, put put through a good effort. You know, he was more effective in game six, game seven, but just not enough to help out KD. And, I mean, really it just came down to, like, a bad bounce for the Nets. So going forward into the summer, you don't think anything drastic needs to happen, right? Like, going into next year, Brooklyn still the favorite, you think? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, for sure in the East um... – you know, depending on how free agency goes in the Western Conference, if a team blows it up, if the Lakers bring in another big piece, you know, maybe you could argue um, there's there's a favorite out West that's better than Brooklyn. But it, it'd be tough to top right now, especially if we see Kyrie, Harden, and KD all back in Brooklyn, which we assume we will see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the role players, you know, kind of move on their way. We know, we know uh, Spencer Dimwitty. He is going to be looking elsewhere mm-hmm. um, next season. So, you know, that's something to, you know, keep an eye on. I, for one, I'm glad the Nets lost, but I did. I, I am going to be sad that I won't be able to see um, more Kevin Durant this, this postseason because, man, he has been incredible to watch. Like, it's must-see TV when that dude's playing basketball. But, you know, at some point we got to give credit to M- the Milwaukee Bucks. My my biggest thing for that game seven was I feel like if Kevin Durant doesn't hit that shot to forced overtime or if that isn't the look that he gets to force overtime, I think his shot at the end of overtime is a little different. Like I think he just was like, I hit the shot like five minutes ago. I'm going to go for the same thing, hope mm. for the same outcome. Like I think a lot of the times players with his caliber with that much time and you catch in an ISO situation with a smaller guy on you. Like I'm a little surprised we didn't see maybe a drive to the hoop. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, like maybe hope for some contact, and then you still have a little more time left. I don't know. I, obviously, you, you never know in that situation what the player's thinking. He thought he had the shot, but I mean, well short as we all saw. So definitely, like you said, it was just a bizarre ending. <laughs> yeah, it's like no, like 
uh, I think it was Big Cat from Barstool today said, like, just no one could believe that it was actually over once it was over. It was like, oh, Brooklyn's done. They're not in the playoffs anymore. And, I mean, kind of got to call it a bust of a season. Injuries are what they are, but, I mean, it's just so crazy to have those three guys on the same roster and then, you know, this is where they end up. Yeah, miss an opportunity, like <laughs> a golden opportunity because you look at the way the the rest of this league is. <laughs> yep, this is exactly it, Rip. Like, <laughs> that's exactly what we're talking about. Like, it when you – when you have a, that kind of golden opportunity, like you look at the way it's the card played out, if they would have gotten Atlanta in the conference finals, Atlanta like against Brooklyn is no one, no one would ever think that Atlanta is going to go through that series. And we'll get to Atlanta soon here because maybe that's just the story of this team is that no one thinks they can do all this shit and they are yeah. actually able to. But I think that the Nets would have been a favorite in the conference finals and then against the Clippers or the Suns in the NBA finals, if it got to that point. So um, yeah, it's, it's a missed opportunity, but I'm excited for the KD revenge tour. That's inevitably coming next year. Cause you know that oh, that yeah. shot, we have everything we know about Kevin Durant, you know, that that shot is going to eat alive at him all summer long and definitely going to come back furious next year. And he's not, he, he's clearly like he, he's healthy. He can play like he played what missed four minutes the last three games. Like he's ready to go full bore next year if he wants to go on like a on a full on revenge tour MVP type Kevin Durant season. It's also scary for any other country that's participating in these Olympics mm. because Kevin Durant is committed to Team USA basketball. Um, we saw some other big names, you know, yeah. not commit was uh, Steph Curry decided not to, Donovan Mitchell decided not to. Saw James Harden, his teammate will be joining him. So I think. I would steer clear if I was anyone going up against Team USA this summer because Kevin Durant is probably going to give us a glimpse of that revenge tour for next season this summer with Team USA. So I guess that's the one positive that comes out of this weekend. We probably will be seeing some Kevin Durant basketball sooner rather than later. But, yeah, definitely disappointment for the Nets. And like you said, we'll probably – see at least the same core next year and then you know the the moving pieces it doesn't really matter all too much if these three guys can stay healthy that's true and Sean Marks did say there will be changes but that's obvious like Blake Griffin's not going to be here next like no maybe no Jeff Green maybe no Shamit but obviously you know you can bring in guys of who's that not going to want to go play there yeah yeah um so team USA just before we move on team USA Damian Lillard, Draymond Green, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker. Devin Booker, while playing in the playoffs, already committed to. That's how you know dude just wants to hoop. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm going to go with a title and then go win a gold medal. That's what his mindset is I, right now. I think if they make it to the finals, he won't be able to play. I okay. think I saw that somewhere today. But, yeah, that – you got you got to love the just that he's committing even while his team's making a deep playoff run right now. That's just how you know Booker's a gamer. Yeah, and then Bam, and then uh, the aforementioned Kevin Durant and James Harden. I mm-hmm. didn't see you broke news to me. I didn't see that Curry actually turned it down. But so yeah, I saw today. It was like it was almost like a tag along note on um, I think it was Bleacher Report that reported that Donovan Mitchell turned it down. Yeah. And then I saw it was like a side note that it was like Mitchell and Curry both decide not to play uh team USA. Okay. all right well yeah some more dame time at point that's that you i'm not going to complain about that for the tokyo mm-hmm. olympics um all right so let's let's get into it from yesterday we've we've held off long enough um i i don't know what to say i i've sat on this podcast and to in a lot of my personal life and defended ben simmons erroneously i've i've, I've hyped up ben simmons we we had like a top I we had we have a podcast somewhere that's like the top ten under twenty five, and I had Ben Simmons extremely high on that list. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yesterday was probably the worst. You know, I don't think anybody's left on the island. I think it if, if I'm even on the island still, there's maybe like one other guy sitting there left on Ben Simmons Island, as the the Sixers blow it it at home against the hawks after if you're game. if you're still that guy on that island you're tom hanks from castaway just <laughs> absolutely losing your mind <laughs> just like but if he just like if he just starts you know shooting three to respect it yeah. it'll, it'll work out it'll be good yeah man i don't 
talk me through how you were how you were reacting to this game yesterday because you know we didn't get a really get a chance to talk about game five even game five was the most surreal experience i've ever seen and i feel like just after that it's just been chaotic like we just expected doom for the sixers since then I went to bed in the third quarter of game five. I, I was actually still awake before the game um, had finished, but I was, you know, I, I had shut off my TV. Um, you know, not that I really had many stakes in the game. I actually had a prop on Trey Young's points. And I, at that point in the third quarter, I thought it wasn't going to hit. And then I was like, I wanted the Hawks. I kind of wanted the Hawks to win. You know, I'm just pulling for Philly to lose, honestly. But at the end of the day, I really didn't care who won this series. But and then you know I'm kind of sitting in bed. You and Stevie were texting me about the game. I was checking my phone, and then all of a sudden it was like a four point game with like still a lot of time left. Trey Young ends up getting 39, crushes the player prop, and then the Hawks win. And then you know Game Six was a must win for the Sixers. They did that, and then I was like, mm, do they have momentum? But I think deep down I knew leading up to that Game Seven, like. Atlanta was going to get it done. Like they just, they haven't had any heart at all in these playoffs. Clearly, I mean, this is the most apparent it's been to me that the Simmons and Bead thing just doesn't work out. Like Embiid's playing on a torn meniscus, and this dude has been balling, basically doing everything he possibly can. There's a few games where he collapsed late in the game too, and you know it kind of it looked like he didn't have the energy or. Um, you know, he was winded or what, whatever, because he was missing shots late in the game. But th- it got to a point where he was doing so much through the first three quarters that he just needed help. Mm-hmm. Like you can't fault. I, I feel like some of the we can excuse some of the bad ends to the game that Embiid had. Maybe the free throws. You know, you want to tighten that up, especially in a playoff series where you could be losing and not advancing, and your co-stars playing so poorly you kind of have to be the guy to hit those free throws. So, I mean, I think that's the one finger we can point at Embiid. But other than that, I mean, it's coaching all the other players and then very last to blame here is Embiid. And I I don't even praise Embiid all that much, like all that often. But, I mean, this dude had a hell of a season. I honestly feel bad for him more than anyone else between, you know, fans, coaches, whatever. I, I feel for Embiid here. Yeah, man, and he, and he was uh, certainly not happy at the at the end of the at the end of the season press conference yesterday, or after the game press conference, I guess I should say. No. And he he made a comment like something along the lines of, "Well, there was there was one time down the floor that we should have gotten a dunk, and it ended in one free throw, and uh, that was clearly in reference to the picture. That's all. That is like I've I've honestly like." Twitter gives some great sports photography sometimes just randomly on the timeline. Like you just see people retweeting like crazy sports pictures. And I understand why like people like, you know, go buy Getty images and stuff. Cause sometimes you just see like the craziest shit in a, in a moment in that game. And there's the picture of Simmons, like up over Trey young or whoever it is. And it, you literally, Trey, like, yeah. you could just, you could just dunk it like you you could do anything with the ball to put it towards the rim and it was it was just uh you can't hide from that moment at all you you can't they can freeze frame it in slow motion now forever and it's gonna be no like it's gonna be a thing like i saw on the athletic earlier they put like the pass (laughs) as one of the things and it's hard to come back from that when you're that guy in in this situation he's been in for philly and like I said I feel for Embiid. I also, like, don't really mind his comments about Simmons after because, you know, he he didn't really say anything too rude or, like, not that he was even attacking Simmons. He kind of beat around the bush and, like, was almost hesitant to say it. But then he was kind of, like, like I, I kind of almost have to say it. Like, I mean, we, I just talked about how he couldn't have done really much more to keep Philly in this series and all he really needed was Simmons to just make one play in one fourth quarter of this series, and the dude was non-existent. I mean, the money this guy makes, the hype that he gets. I mean, he has the talent, too. Like, it's it's weird. Like, you you texted us yesterday and said this is literally all in his head. And, like, 85% of this is. Like, if you know you're not a jump shooter, fine, but you can find ways to impact the game. 
And that play in particular is one of them. I mean, this dude is one of the best finishers around the room we've seen all season long. Like, he's dunked on several guys on this Atlanta Hawks team throughout the whole series, but he just couldn't do it down the stretch for some reason. So I don't really blame Embiid, especially where we've seen this year after year after year now, and they keep saying, trust the process, trust the process. I mean, it's it's getting to the point where it's like, trust, trust that Ben Simmons is going to figure out how to play basketball. Like, Embiid... Like, like he's he's done his part. He's carried his weight. He had a shitty coach for a couple of years and Brett Brown. And I mean, Doc, obviously, he needs some blame here, especially given his history um, is kind of coming up short in the playoffs. He, every he's now six and nine in game sevens. Which the first of all, the fact that you have to like, it's not. I feel like it's not a good thing to be the coach with the most game sevens. Like that means that you can't put teams away even when you win series. But it's not even that. He has lost nine of them. And the stat is also that he was up in every single series that he's lost, either 3-2 or 3-1. <laughs> yeah, and you don't want to be the coach who has the most game sevens, especially with the talent that he's had. It's not like he's like rode with one team and he's been bringing like these mediocre teams to the playoffs and they're getting so close and you know they're coming up short all the times in these game sevens. Like That's mm-hmm. not the case. Like this dude, I mean, he's lost game sevens with, you know, some of the talented team that he won a championship with in Boston. And then it was Lob City with Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, and then this year with, with this team and going back to the day with, um, who was it, Tracy McGrady and Grand Hill? Yeah. So, like – it's yeah, it's it's concerning. Josh Smith let him have it. He with, was ro- he. Josh Smith loves roasting. Yeah, Stop he came there. out of the woodworks on that one. But I'm gonna go find that and just retweet it randomly from the. <laughs> I think that's what we need to do. We need to turn the Twitter account into just we're just gonna go back and find obscure NBA like Twitter like tweets from like 2014, like when people <laughs> were just wilding on Twitter and just event like. Every day, just retweet some random ones just to remind people. Like, it is a good. This is a good idea. Yeah, but there's plenty of them out there. We just have to like. We'd have to do some research, but there's like Josh Smith has been wilding on Doc Rivers for a while on there. Yeah, and it's uh, it's getting to the point where you know he deserves it, and then even Doc, like he's asked if Simmons can be a championship point guard, and he said. I can't answer. Hold up. Did you hear what he said today? I'm. Re- I, this is. I want to go off on this. Did you? Did you hear the quotes about Simmons today from Rivers? I don't think I did. All no. right, so I get to break something to you here too. I believe this is the quote. I believe without going into detail with what we're doing, I believe we know what the right work is and the right type of work and the right way to do it. Rivers said when asked why this offseason will be different as far as Simmons' shooting goes, they have a plan to fix his shooting in the offseason. Apparently. Now they said the word right three times there. Is he going to switch his hands? It's Kevin O'Connor from the ringer has been, he's been, he's been saying it for like three years. Ben Simmons shooting with the wrong hand. He wrote a big article about it before. And he said, right. Three times. I'm just, I mean, it kind of, it looks like he, I mean, just watching his jump shot, it looks like he almost doesn't know which hand he's shooting with. Colin says the plan should be to ship him out. That that's what I'm thinking. The plan might be, that's the right plan. I do, yeah. No, I think that would be a good segue, especially because I I feel like we've all heard this before. How many times have we heard, you know, Simmons say that he's going to fix his shot or someone on the coaching staff is going to fix this shot or we see the videos of him making like six threes in a row at, you know, one of his random gyms that he's practicing in, in the offseason. It's like I can hit six threes in a row. That doesn't mean – I can come up big and beat Joel yeah. Embiid's co-star. Yeah. Like come the on. things they say about Ben Simmons, like hitting threes, is like stuff that I try to do at the gym, like just shooting threes. It's like it's not that impressive, bro. I've also seen videos <laughs> of Shaq hitting threes. Like that's like when he messes around and like playing in the gym with his shot worse but... than Shaq from the free throw line. We've used yeah. Shaq as an insult for free throws our whole lives, and this dude shot worse than Shaq. Yeah, that was that was crazy. <laughs> that I heard that this morning. Uh, the the worst. The worst free throw percentage in a playoff series. Ben Simmons now holds that record, and Shaq was the lowest before this. Also, I love Shaq just 
did not shy away from his comments about Simmons after the game. <laughs> no, he did not. He <laughs> said, I would beat the shit out of Ben Simmons if I was in the same locker room as him. And he he was not kidding. Like all the other guys on the TNT crew were cracking up. Shaq was like, I could not be more with his construction hat on. And I honestly <laughs> believe him. Like Oh my god. Man, like he, like you just need your co-star. Like that it's just unacceptable. He's not, that's the thing. He's not he's not what we thought at this point. He he has to prove it back no. because he's not a coach. He's just he's had so much it's media hype and he puts up the numbers because Bet Brett Brown basically force fed him and Doc was like, No, like I'm not playing this dude when he's not producing. And we just learned his flaws because Doc exposed them for us. Mm. So now we like because the slander of Ben Simmons. I mean, we could literally go on for an hour about this. Yeah, this could be Twitter's done it enough. We well, I don't I'm think anyone actually way. has I'm, done. I'm, I'm officially off. Like I've been, I defended him for too long. Yeah, he hurt me this time. I'm done. Fuck him. You, I mean, you convinced me a couple times this season. Yeah, I feel bad can, now. now. We I can go. Bad. We can go back where I'm praising <laughs> Ben Simmons at some point, and like it's kind of the crazy thing. But the, this is what everyone has to keep getting back to. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Tobias Harris was more of a co-star than Simmons. But that's the problem too is like to, the fact that Tobias Harris is the co-star is also neither of them are a second guy. They can't. Hey, you know, they could have just uh, stayed at number three and picked Jason Tatum, or went to number one and picked Jason Tatum. You know, yeah. who no one comes after the Sixers enough for that. They, but that should be in their thought. That should be every single tweet that people tweet at the Sixers. Like, hey, you know who'd be better than not Markel Fultz? On Markel Fultz is not even there. Jason Tatum answers every question that oh, uh, that is what we have do. right now. And well, it's because <laughs> well, you do, yeah, you definitely do. <laughs> it's crazy too because for years, like literally up until this postseason, people Philly fans would argue that Ben Simmons is better than Jason Tatum. Yeah, no more. We're done no. with that. That, is that ben Simmons better than I'm trying to think of Rui Hachimura. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say Jalen Brown. He's, I don't even think he's no. Better. He's not better than Jalen Brown. That's not even a question. So it's it, maybe it's be, beating a dead horse. Maybe we're not giving him enough shit. Um, no, he's gonna con- he deserved it. They he's did. gonna continue to get it. So it doesn't matter if we do it or not. What what do you even think is a realistic package for Simmons at this point? Do they move him for cheap and just try to get rid of him? I don't even know if Embiid. You know, like, is Embiid going to be happy? Does he, is he going to, is it going to get to a point where Embiid wants out? Yeah, I've, I've wondered that, but the, the, the talk all around Embiid is that he's like almost Damian Lillard esque devotion to Philly because they yeah. just love him so much. So I think he basically gets to decide whatever the fuck he wants there. And those end of the season interviews did not sound like a guy that wants to keep Ben Simmons around. No. It's not, it, it doesn't, it makes his job harder to have to worry about Ben. Even the best case scenario of Ben makes his job harder. Um, so I don't know, like the, th- the, the, the part about a Simmons trade for the Sixers is that he's at the lowest value he'd ever have. Um, this I mean, we literally side. were at James Harden at one point. Exactly. They could they, imagine James Harden with Joel Embiid. They could, they, Ben Simmons, if OKC thinks of him as a building block, grabbing some of those picks. They they need to be in if Bradley Beal is on the table, they need to be all in on a, on something for Bradley Beal for sure. One of those one of these guards is gonna be unhappy. Maybe it's Donovan Mitchell. And maybe that's our segue to get into the Utah Jazz talk here. Because wow. Don, I think that we um there's always a star that asks for a move out that we don't expect to be on the move, right? Like, did we expect James Harden to get traded last year going into it? No. We were all still talking about the Rockets, talking about whatever they were going to build with him and Christian Wood and whatever else. And then, bam, James Harden was like, nah, I'm getting a trade out of here, and he was gone. So Donovan Mitchell, you know, was has had noted issues with Utah. We've talked about it since he was out game one this year, had the issues with Gobert in the front office last year. And that's a guy who – you know, would answer pretty much every question for the Sixers. The Sixers would have too. Um, but I don't know if the spacing between uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can't work. I don't know how that would work with Rudy Gobert, but <laughs> yeah, that would be a, that would be an issue. Not saying the, the jazz don't even want to do this, but I'm just monitoring 
which one of these guys is going to ask out and where the Sixers would be trying to this because the Sixers have to be in every single talk about any big scorer that wants out and be offering Simmons on the table. Yeah, it's just crazy because like it seems like the league had a consensus of what Ben Simmons value was. And it was almost that I feel like if you asked any GM in the middle of the season and everyone and going into the season, everyone was probably on the same page you know, where he was at value-wise and what they would have to give up for him. But now, I mean, it's anyone's guess at what these GMs are thinking, what he's worth, and it's basically going to come down to the if the Sixers do plan to ship him out, which, I mean, I think most people would agree they'd be crazy not to, but it basically just comes down to them getting robbed one way or another because they're just kind of going to have to do that. Like they might have to settle. Like we might find one of these situations where we're getting reports all summer long that like t- only two teams are interested in Ben Simmons, and <laughs> no one is. No one really cares at this point. Like I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but I mean that's a real possibility, and I think Philly needs to be ready for that. So it, I don't know. It's go- it's going to be really tricky. But like you said, just get another score next to Joel Embiid because. My biggest issue is he doesn't need a fantastic facilitator. Like this dude can score on his own when he wants to. Like he needs another guy that can go get buckets. Like Harden, we've, I mean, I know we've harped on this and talk about beating a dead horse. Like Philly is just, they got to be kicking themselves. And maybe they couldn't get the right deal done with Houston at the time. But I mean, a guy like Harden would just be impeccable next to Embiid. That's like mm-hmm. the craziest unstoppable duo you can think of in the league today. Um, and like a Bradley Beal, like you said, like just a scoring guard. Like it does, they don't have to be this great facilitator. Like Embiid will get his own buckets. There's other shooters there that hopefully they can keep around. I thought Seth Curry was great all playoffs long for um, the 76ers. So – yeah, I mean, it, it just all comes down to how much the rest of the league values Simmons and if, when and if Philly's ready to get robbed and, you know, start to make him beat happy again. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be one of the most interesting developments of the offseason for sure because they're going to be desperation mode. And we've seen Daryl Morey not be afraid to make roster-altering moves an entire summer. Like, he'll just get rid of half the team if he needs to. And that seems like this kind of scenario with this group. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm the team I'm monitoring is the Golden State Warriors and their potential two top ten picks that they could have mm. to send for to Washington for and maybe I mean they, they would have to trade either Wiggins or Draymond too with to just match the contracts. I would assume that Philly would rather have Wiggins. But and and the Warriors not getting rid of a Draymond, getting rid of a Draymond would be a very like I don't know. I just can't imagine he's ever leaving there at this point. But yeah, especially like, could you imagine the difference in edge between Draymond Green in your locker room, and then all of a sudden Ben Simmons shows up, like the least aggressive guy in the world? Like, <laughs> up, guys? <laughs> yeah, that'd, that'd be crazy. I mean that that is like one of the teams where it's like you kind of think that That's maybe a, they, they make the most up. sense. They make the most sense, like basketball wise. That might be like this is a chance for us to extend Steph's run. I mean, yeah, his role would be a lot different, but like as far as like using what he's actually good at and like putting it to good use and putting it to like meaningful basketball, like especially, I mean, Steve Kerr is a fantastic coach too. Um, it, it just it would make the shooters on that roster life a lot easier. It would make Kerr's life a lot easier. And Ben Simmons, I mean, if he can accept, you know, not being a number one, not even a number two, and playing with guys like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and playing the four and not trying to be a 6'10 point guard, which he could probably be if he could even hit a free throw at above <laughs> 50% rate. Um, but right now he's not capable of those things. It doesn't look like his shooting is going to get any better anytime soon. I'm not going to believe the offseason videos. No. So, yeah, I mean, Golden State's a good spot. But, again, it's just like what is even the asking price at this point? It's going to be a crazy offseason for a lot of different teams. I mean, Philly is just – keep keep a magnifying glass on, on the Philadelphia 76ers, folks, because you're, you're not going to want to miss it. 
but you think it could also be an interesting offseason for the Utah Jazz. You kind of just alluded to it a little bit. You think Mitchell may demand a trade here? I, I'm not. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think it will happen. Of course, it's possible. I um, think if Mitchell's super unhappy, I mean, if you're the Utah Jazz management, you are shipping Gobert before you do anything with Mitchell. That's my opinion. Well, um, yeah, that's the. So I don't. I mean, there's no. I don't even think there's any reports on what's going on with Don, if there's Donovan Mitchell's unhappy besides what we already know, like as of right now, what I do know is Mitchell. I mean, he's, he's just, his extension kicks in next year. So he obviously he doesn't like it. It's not like he has a lot of contract leverage to do anything or whatever. It would clearly be just him deciding he wanted to go another way and trying to force his way out. And we've heard all these rumblings about young, all the young stars that are trying to like assert, like right, like last week we were talking about Luca and Zion the whole time, and and like where they are with their situations and their builds and disappointing playoff exits, and for Zion not making the playoffs. Well, Donovan Mitchell's had some disappointing playoff exits, and we talked about this team all year long. <laughs> I feel like ad nauseum we would make jokes about it, like the Utah jazz, like, are they for real? Like, we'll see who knows. Don't really trust them. Um, and we couldn't trust them. I mean, Donovan got hurt and Mike Conley being hurt definitely is an underrated storyline that Pete, that just people won't mention enough to get their Twitter jokes off. Like people were trying to roast the jazz and Rudy Gobert on Twitter. Aren't going to be, aren't going to be like, well, actually, you know, um, Mike Conley was hurt with a hamstring. It's like, no one cares. They're just getting, they're trying to get these French jokes off. It's okay. <laughs> and well-deserved yeah. for Rudy in this series, because I think this series really exposed a lot of issues that they just have. Same thing with the Sixers, a lot of issues that they have fundamentally, because in a one, one game situation throughout the whole year, Rudy, amazing. He's going to disrupt everything. He can destroy your offense on some nights, whatever. In a series, every, a good team has figured him out every year that a good offensive team has figured him out. The Clippers small ball destroyed him. And last year, Donovan Jamal Murray destroyed him. And that's just what it is. And like, so that's, that is the issue. If you are the, if you are the jazz, you should be exploring whatever you can get for Rudy Gobert and build this team in a modern NBA role, because that's what's going small ball wins titles. Like that's the, the teams left are all versatile enough that they can go small or have Giannis who's a freak. Right. And Gobert doesn't offer mm -hmm. that. Gobert doesn't offer that for them. So whether Mitchell wants to leave or not, they need to be they need to be proactive in trying to build a better team around him because this team has limitations because of Rudy Gobert. Yeah, and it's crazy. I just I can't believe I've, I had forgotten this when I brought it up in the first place. Obviously, Gobert's the guy you want to move if we're talking which one of them has to go, which like we're just speculating here because like you said, we don't even know if either of them are unhappy enough to not try to run it back. But I'm just remembering Gobert's massive overpaid contracts that he has. And where I think a lot of people would be interested in Gobert. I don't know if anyone wants to absorb that. I wouldn't for his, for like what he actually brings. Of course, he's great three time defensive player of the year. No one, no one is really doubting his individual defensive efforts. But as you mentioned, if you're, a good playoff team. If you are as talented as the Los Angeles Clippers, even without Kawhi Leonard, you can break that down. Mm. Small ball is the way the NBA is going. Spreading the floor is the way the NBA is going. Yes, he had a game game winning block against Marcus Morris in one of the one of the wins in Utah, and that was great. But the <laughs> rest of the series, like, what does he have to show for it? There was literal, literally times in that game seven, or. Game six? Did that even go seven? No, game six. Yeah, game yeah. six. They didn't even get to seven. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, that's that's the that's the worst part is that they didn't even get to seven without Kawhi Leonard. Like Kawhi went out and Paul George, Paul George of all people, playoff that's what he I was, was gonna like, say. and that game this six. Got this shit. Like, and we, I, I don't want to forget Terrence Mann, Lowell Mass native, put on a show yeah, in that game six, thirty nine points. Um, but then like, like I said, I was, or this is what I was going to say is Paul George, like he would do a screen and roll, make Gobert come out onto him, take a few dribbles behind the three point line. 
and then just drive it at him. Literally challenge the three-time defensive player of the year, and he go, I am a better scorer than you are a defender. And that's playoff P saying that to you. So I want to give the bigger Chris their credit. You know, give Paul George his credit. But I, I'm just kind of sick of how much the Utah Jazz made me flip-flop on their team this year because <laughs> at first we are bored and we are like, okay, now prove it, prove it, prove it. You're the best team in the league regular season, of course. And then I was like, oh, they are proving it. They won four in a row against the Grizzlies after the first loss, and then they went up 2-0 on the Clippers. And I was like, oh, wow, like Mitchell's proving it. And Mitchell did prove it. But I think – you know. Yeah, he definitely was. He definitely was feeling that ankle. He he told us. Yeah. He said to the media, "He's like, I don't have what it takes right now." <laughs> like, and he, and he, he had thirty nine, nine and nine. I know, like almost a forty point triple double. So, I mean, I don't know if a move is even made this off season, but I think sometime soon, Gobert is expendable, especially when you have a guy like Mitchell. I think even Jordan Clarkson is maybe a guy you look to move. I think a lot right. of teams would be interested in him, even though. He was so great. I think he's a great fit for Utah. Um, you just got to think about bringing in another guy to help Mitchell because clearly right now um, they don't have it. Yeah, and it's going to be uh, – it's going to be – they they might be a team that gets really aggressive too because they want to maximize this window where they have, you know, a top 15 NBA player in Mitchell right now and an ascending guy still. Yeah. You got to take advantage. I think what we really need, if they're gonna if they're gonna keep Rudy Gobert together, I think he need they need to go on an episode of the Cube with Dwayne Wade, and that's how they'll solve their teamwork problems. I watched a little bit of the Cube. I was watching a little bit of the Cube yesterday, the other day, because it was on after the game. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you, bro, it was pretty. It was pretty lit. I'm not gonna lie. If as far as game show goes, I, I you could get down with the Cube. Like you would have fun. You'd have fun in, in the Cube. Dwayne Wade's a good host. He gets to do like this one thing. He's got he gets one shot. He can bail him out. A lot of pressure on D Wade there, but yeah, I think Gobert. You put Gobert, put Mitchell in there, let him figure it out, let him hash that out in the inside the queue, <laughs> get it rolling. Good chemistry Dwayne building activity with Dwayne Wade, partial yeah, exactly. on Utah Jazz. Exactly. All right, um, let's get into it then. With the after, let's talk, let's stop talking about teams that are done doing stuff now. Let's talk about teams that are doing stuff. Yeah. And, not on the basketball court, but Brad Stevens, the president. I love that he is not the general manager because all these teams have different names for basically the same person. But yeah. we've joked that he's the president for how long it's been his nickname. And now he really is the president of basketball operations for the Celtics. Makes his first move. Dunny, how did you feel after seeing on Friday, right? Kemba Walker out going to Oklahoma City as well as the number 16 pick and a 2025 second round pick. For Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second-round pick from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Loved it. I um, I had finally came to terms just like, you know, kind of just before this trade, like a few weeks before when Brad was named president, when the stories were starting to come out that Kemba was kind of mutual and that he might want to break up with the Boston Celtics. So, you know, I was, you know, I was a big supporter of Kemba Walker. I, you know, I didn't mind his time here, but this season was, it, it kind of showed that it wasn't working out. I mean, injuries and just when he was on the court, there's something not meshing with the Jays. Um, and it showed down the stretch and then he just couldn't stay healthy. It was time to move on. So one Brad did that. He also just makes a monumental move his first two weeks as the president frees up a ton of cap space not 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 too much for this season they it only gives them about nine million wiggle room for this season but a, a lot um just the swap for Kemba and Al down the road frees up especially for next season if they want to bring in you know maybe another max guy alongside Tatum and Brown who knows what that looks like but for right now I love it my guy Al Horford honestly one of my favorite Celtics the last you know, five, six years or so. Um, obviously, we're not getting the Al Horford we had a few years ago. He's aging, but he still can bring a lot to this team. He's a great passing big. He's a great mentor. Tatum and Brown both love him. And, it, you know, we haven't even mentioned Moses Brown, a 21-year-old, legit seven-footer. He put up 21 points and 23 rebounds on the Celtics this year. I think Brad <laughs> And was like, wow, I want this kid on my team. 
He gets an opportunity to do so. He does it. Um, so I enjoyed seeing it, but what I hated was just all the news on Twitter and elsewhere, everywhere you saw this trade, it was Celtics trade Kemba Walker for Al Horford. Like, it's just, I hate seeing that. Like, that's, <laughs> that wasn't the trade. And that's what the casuals are going to believe. And that's why they do it for clickbait. But man, that, that really bothered me. Cause that it's just such a, I think, I mean, you know, obviously it hasn't, we haven't seen it play out yet, but I think it was a very smart move by Brad. I like it. And it definitely means that another move's coming one way or another. So, you know, whether it's monumental, whether they just bring in another piece and kind of roll with what they have right now, they added depth to the center position. You have to assume Tristan Thompson's probably going to be involved in a move and is going to be oh, able yeah, to yeah. soon. And now they have a little more money to, if they do want to give Fournier the 15 to 20 that he's asking for, they can bring back another scoring option uh, for off the bench. What about uh, Kyle Kuzma for Tristan Thompson and Aaron Neesmith? Not Neesmith. I bet you he'd be too high. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't do that for Neesmith. Um, I I wouldn't mind bringing in Kuz. I just I don't know. Too much inconsistency for me to Kuz. But if if the price was right, I wouldn't mind bringing him in. You know, another another forward slash wing that can do a little bit of everything. But um, he should definitely know that he's coming off the bench and that. Just <laughs> dad. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I uh, no, I'm, I'm just a little intrigued if we don't bring Fournier back at a Spencer Dimwitty type deal. Mm. I think that would be. Thinking, what about Kyle Lowry? I was going to ask you about your feelings on Kyle Lowry. Honestly, my dad would be wicked pissed. I know that he <laughs> hates Kyle Lowry. I think he's a gamer. I think he would actually be a good fit, especially if we keep a guy like Marcus Smart somehow in that and you put those two as your starting backcourt like i think that'd be pretty scary both just have a knack for the ball both very tough i mean we would take probably like over 100 charges as a team if those two were on the same team um but yeah i don't know there's there's definitely i at least i think personally and maybe that's just me you know being excited but i I think there has to be another like semi-monumental move coming um before the summer's over going into next season um, I don't know. I guess th- those are all my Homer takes about it. What, what did you think initially when you saw this? I liked it. I, I, I think that I agree with you on everything. It, it, it's uh, the cat flexibility and everything. They can have a max slot after next year now. And that's the, that's the official Bradley Beal free agency year also. So yeah. um, just, just to remind you on that team USA roster, Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum will both be there. Mm-hmm. So um, we've seen what can happen with those that situation. I think that's always something to monitor. So if they don't do a lot this summer or keep themselves to short con- shorter contracts that they can do, we'll kind of see what they're eyeing towards. Um, but yeah, Brad, he it wasn't gonna. What are what did they expect from Kemba? Like even if it is just Al Horford, like it, it's not like we've seen what Kemba's not gonna get younger (laughs) he's not going to go back to being 27 years old he's just this is what happens to older point guards and it happened quicker with Kemba than people anticipated but that's how the league works like you don't know when you're going to drop off like that and I think Kemba is going to be a good player going forward but Celtics fans are more worried about like having a Terry Rozier situation where clearly they would have just like the Celtics it's great to go back and say like hey we would have been better off if we just paid Terry all that money anyways Mm. but it's like okay but no one said that however many years ago like everybody was hyped to get Kemba and it, you know it was also good to get Kemba whatever for the morale just in general after the whole Kyrie debacle so I, I mean say what you want about the whole thing but would you rather go through the two years of Kemba being injured or the two years of Kyrie chaos right. I think you pick I mean so it's just it, it's it's whatever it is what it is it signings like it don't work out but I think that the Celtics still have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as far as I still I can see on the roster. Mm-hmm. And so that's more than enough reason to to trust in what Brad wants to see because Brad's been with these guys. He knows what they need on the floor and around them. And now he kind of has a chance to do it. And Al gives them that, that veteran presence that we've been talking about that they needed in there. Like they needed just a guy that everybody can go to, not name Tristan Thompson. Like Tristan Thompson can't be that guy just coming in there. Al has that rapport with all the those guys already, so I like it. I'm good with it. Sweet, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Brad said today, it's first time talking about it. Kinda, he said this 
<coughs> excuse me. He said this obviously was a um, finan um, financial move first before everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's kind of clear. He said he was happy to bring Al Horford back. And then he said, you know, second thing on the list is just doing whatever it takes to put the best talent around Tatum mm -hmm. around. He's been in close contact with them. So I'm seeing all the right things. I'm hearing all the right things. Now it's just a matter of making it happen next season. So let's see what also, happens. We said Sixers uh, team to closely monitor. Obviously the Celtics here too yeah. this summer. So we'll see. All right, we got to wrap up here quick, so let's just go quick on the conference finals going forward, and we'll be back on here for previews and everything during the week as well. But tomorrow night, Bucks and Hawks, I don't know what to expect from this series, Dunny. Like, I have no idea. Like, the, the Bucks are 2-1 and one this year. Um, none of the games that they played against each other were particularly close. Um, the Hawks have just defied all the odds. So I think we're, we're, all, we're both Team Trey Young, though, right? Like, we, I, yeah. I want I, – which I never – Beginning of the playoffs was the last place I thought I would end up. Yeah, uh, I've just been like overly excited watching him play basketball. Like it's just it's <laughs> fun. Um, the deep, I mean, he has Curry moments, right? Like he hits the deep threes, but not only does he hit them, you know, in the first half, but it seems even more so in these playoffs. Even when he's having bad shooting nights, like last night against Philly, he wasn't shooting great, and then. He hits these bombs at the end of the game after he had shot what like three for nineteen before that, yeah. and then um, just kind of makes it happen. So he has these Curry moments. He's a great passer, much better than I thought. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, you having the no Drew Holiday versus Trey Young, that's going to be crazy. Drew that's Drew crazy. has been a yeah. great defender so far in these playoffs. Um, and then another thing you said here uh, is does Giannis present? big problems for Capella and Collins. I think he does, but I think you could also flip that and say Capella and Collins were great down the stretch of that Philly mm. series. Yeah. Defensively and offensively. I think, you know, whether they're wearing them down on which side of the floor, offensively, defensively, I, I mean, those are two big bodies, long guys that you can throw at Giannis and, you know, either way, I, I, I think this, uh, this series is going to be quite interesting. Yeah, I think that I think that they match up like both these series. These teams match up well. It's it's mm -hmm. gonna be it's they're both teams are gonna be able to create problems for the other team, which is what I find really interesting. And I like what you said about Giannis and because Capella and Collins because Giannis that that interior didn't really get tested by the Nets at all, right? Like mm -hmm. there was nobody that could drive. Like KD would every time KD tried to drive, you could just see his lane getting cut off by like three other Bucks because they knew there was just shooters on the outside. That's all they really had to worry about. They didn't have to worry about inside presence at all. It was, it was, it's going to look so much different than the way the Hawks, the Hawks cut smart. They, they make smart reads of the basket. Like there were three possessions when the Hawks started taking that game over last night and it was just three alley-oops to Capella, like, yeah. in, like five possessions or something. It's like, One and do anything. Too, a few of them. exactly. Like, so those, like they're, they're going to be able to attack the Bucks in much different ways than the Nets were able to attack them, which is what I'm interested to see. But Giannis, Giannis is, I mean, say what you want. We can, we can talk shit about the free throws, whatever else he's had those. He always has, he's always going to have those moments. I think we just have to come to terms with that. He still had 34 in a game seven in a game. Yeah. One. I mean, he's overall he was incredible. Yeah. He was amazing. Like we, we nitpick him so much, but like, that's incredible. He just needs the help. Mm -hmm. Drew holiday really showed up right at right when they needed him but he was brutal most of that game seven and almost lost them that game because they needed just that little bit of offense from another star. But you would just tell how gassed all those guys were. And it's, it's just going to be an interesting matchup. Bucks currently minus 350 series favorites. Um, yeah. So we'll then we'll just quickly go here. Last couple thoughts on Suns Clippers. Suns led lead one, nothing. Now Devin Booker had a 40 point, bomb masterpiece yesterday Donny, how are you feeling the rest of the series Oof, i don't know i mean you assume i mean devin booker did that and i don't really know if there's anyone that can slow down booker on this clippers team and then it's looking like chris paul is going to he's been asymptomatic since tested positive with covid it's looking like they're saying he can come back early in this western conference mm -hmm. final series 
And on the flip side, it looks like Kawhi Leonard is most likely not going to return for this series. And even if they advance to the next round, which it's looking unlikely at this point, I don't know if he'd be, even be ready to go for a finals. Bill Simmons said today on his podcast that he thinks Kawhi is closer than we think from people really? that he talks to. Yeah. Our friend, our mutual friend, Brett, Brett Lindsay texted me yesterday and was like, he thinks Kawhi is also coming back. He was like, that dude is literally not human. Like he's going to shake off this knee injury and just be ready to go. I hope he does. It would make for a hell of a lot more entertaining series. But I think if Booker's playing like this, the Clippers, they could make it close. They could make it a series. But especially if Chris Paul comes back, I mean, th- this Suns team looks fantastic. DeAndre Ayton just makes things look so easy. Um, and Stephen A. Smith casually said that Devin Booker is the next Kobe Bryant today. So, well, I was gonna say he's he's giving off Kobe vibes right now. Yeah, he's I was that's what he's he's been wearing the same purple pair of Kobe's every single game, which is a big Kobe thing to wear the same shoes throughout the whole playoffs. And I've noticed it. It's crazy because like everybody wears different shoes, and you don't even notice half the time unless you're paying attention before. But I've noticed more because Booker has had just the purple shoes on the whole time. Like mm-hmm. I've noticed every game with them. Anyways, that's that's a tangent that didn't need to go on. Oh, I'm thinking about the range of. What this because this is going to be a weird finals no matter what. The Bucks haven't won since like the 50s, and the rest of these teams have never won the finals. This is the Clippers' first appearance in the conference finals, right? This reminds me, Booker's run reminds me more of like D Wade in 06, and, and Chris Paul is not Shaq in size or anything in the basketball realm, but as like the vet leading him along going forward, even though he hasn't won and Shaq obviously had won titles. And it's shaping up that buck, the Bucks are going to be the Mavs, where Giannis is the young superstar on the on this team around him, and we'll get this clash of you know this team that had disappointments in the playoffs getting there, and this young upstart team with a guard that has burst onto the scene and kind of taken over the league, and that's what it seems like we're coming up to. And a Suns Bucks Finals is, I'll take that any day. Yeah, I mean, just a quick last thought here. I, I just want to say that I I think not only do I like where these conference finals are at and how these playoffs have gone, of course, I don't like seeing the Stars get injured. I, I mentioned earlier I would rather Kevin Durant be in the playoffs longer just so we can watch that unbelievable play of basketball. But I think it's good for the league, and I, I don't like the slander that these playoffs have been getting because – all the fans who have said over the last 10 years, it's always the same teams. Like those guys have a chance to, you know, get back into the NBA. And we're showing this year that it's talented. The league is talented through and through. Like there's good teams, you know, all over the place. We have so many guys, as you just mentioned, going for their first rings. I, I think it's good for the league. I've enjoyed these playoffs a whole bunch. We've had great series, great individual performances. I can't complain. No, it's been great. The conference finals are going to be, these series are going to be great basketball. Um, so let's get let's get into it. We'll see you guys tomorrow with a preview for Bucks Hawks game one from Milwaukee. Follow us at Happy Hour Hoops 1. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you all for joining. Have a great night, everybody. Later.